we are looking through portions of the New Testament at some of the prayers that are expressed from the heart of God through Paul and others and uh, seeking to be informed and strengthened and, and made wiser, more effective in our own prayers for one another. And, and one thing struck me as various requests were being shared this morning. Um, how many heartbreaks there are for people we know and love to deal with? How many heartbreaking situations there are right here in our own fellowship, but also in the extended circle of people we know and care about? Um, you know, and one of the things that I think is true for us that we get to recognize is true and keep growing in is that we're the right people to hear about those needs. We're the right people to find out about those tragedies. We're the right people to find out about someone's heartbreak. Not because of us, but because of who we belong to. Because of the very things we're studying that, that we would learn, Father, this is heartbreaking to hear this thing, but thank you that you've brought it to us for prayer. And that we, we've, you know, gone through several prayers. We're going to keep going through prayers. But this morning, uh, I was reading in, in Matthew 6, and it's where Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, which we've looked at before. But just a few verses after the Lord's Prayer, he starts talking about worry. And in just a few verses, Jesus says four different times, do not worry. And then we have the passage that was read where he says in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A peace that passes understanding. Is God crazy? Does he not comprehend how serious these things are? And obviously, part of our wisdom growing is to recognize he sees how important these things are way deeper and better than we do. He sees all the ripples of impact of sorrow and tragedy and loss that we can't even see. And he still says that because of who he is to us, who we are to him, and the authority we have to intercede for one another, he still says, now I'm going to tell you, do not worry. But it's not the, the do not worry of callous disregard or the do not worry of some kind of immature, frivolous, minimizing how serious these things are. It's the do not worry of comprehending the power of God that comes to bear in these things. So we're going to look at that this morning. So we have read for us, Joe read for us this passage in Colossians 1. And again, we're, we're looking at the heart of God and praying from the heart of God. And it's interesting because in verse 3, similar to what we looked at last week in Philippians, is that again, Paul is starting out saying, when I think about you guys, I know you, I know your situation. And here's the first thing, when I go to God to intercede for you, here's the first thing that bubbles up. I start thanking God for you. 
And it's really, again, worth us capturing how frequently this idea is going to come up. The God's saying, please build a mindset of gratitude for your brothers and sisters. Not just that you're aware doctrinally that they're valuable, but that you and I pondered enough that we let it sink into our bones. We let it percolate into our thinking. Father, how incredible it is that I have the blessing of these brothers and sisters. I'm going to be filled with gratitude for them. So I may, I may get that prayer list. I hope, I hope all of you get the prayer email. If you don't, talk to Jody about how to get it. Where's Jody? Is she in the back? She's somewhere here. Talk to Jody about how to get it. If you ever want to know how anything in this church works, talk to Jody. But that recognition that we get to look at a request, we get to look at a tragedy or a sorrow or a need, and we get to say, Father, I'm going to pray for this person. But as I enter into prayer on their behalf, let me start with gratitude that this is my brother. Let me start with gratitude that this is my sister. I know I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. What an incredible miracle that this person has been rescued from eternal doom to become a son or daughter of God and be my brother and sister. What an incredible miracle that I'm in the family. What an incredible miracle that they're in the family. I should pause and be thankful for that. And it will change my attitude and change my thinking to ponder that gratitude. And after thanks, he goes on to this. He says, praying always. Praying always for you. Now, and we talked about this in the Sunday school discussion of the book of Daniel, that we're, we're, we're aiming for this in our prayer life. We're aiming for consistency, and we're aiming for persistence. And I can't believe how many times this has come up. I mean, it comes up really frequently in counseling where someone will ask, well, I'm praying for this thing, but I've prayed for two years, three years, 10 years, 15 years. Shouldn't I just stop now? Shouldn't I just stop praying for their salvation? Shouldn't I stop praying for that healing? Shouldn't I stop praying for deliverance from deception? Shouldn't I just stop praying? I mean, if God, and this is frequently the sentence that goes with it, if God answers, hasn't answered it yet, maybe he never will. And the bottom line is, if that thing is worth praying for, keep praying for it. If it's worth praying for, keep praying for it. And that's part of what Paul is saying here to the believers at Colossae. He's saying, I just don't stop. I pray always for you. I'm consistent and I'm persistent. You can count on this, that those believers at Colossae could get up on, on Tuesday and go, well, I know Paul was praying for us on, on Sunday. I wonder if he's praying today. Yep, yeah, yeah, I bet Paul's praying today. And that you and I would know that about each other, that we would know that about each other. And I, and I have to say this, and I mean it. There are so many times during my week when I really know that, when I'm literally facing a tough day in counseling or a dilemma, and I go, I do not have the wisdom for this. And where God reminds me, he really does. There are believers at Grace Bible Fellowship praying for you right now. Okay, Father, let's do it. Let's do it. There are believers praying for me. And that every one of us should know that. 
And that also means that we're letting people know that we need prayer. So our sharing time isn't the only thing. If you need prayer in the week, let somebody know you need prayer. Whether you add it to the email list or whether you just call up Bob or Susie and ask for prayer, let your need be known to someone else who can join you in that prayer warrior, in that mindset of interceding before God and fighting on your behalf. So he says, I always pray for you. He's consistent. And he goes on and he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So I wrote those three words next to each other, faith, love, hope. Do they look familiar? The 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now abide. These are lasting, enduring qualities of the kingdom of God. These are lasting and enduring qualities of how God is working in us. And then in gentleness and grace, how he's working through us on behalf of each other. That our faith, our hope, and our love are genuinely supernatural qualities. And you know what? The world copies all of those things. The world copies love. And it doesn't mean that they're being insincere. But it's not supernaturally powerful. The world copies hope. It hopes for things. It wishes for things. It longs for good things. It hopes. But we've talked about this before. That in the New Testament, God's use of the word hope for us doesn't mean a thing we wish for. It means something that is rock-solid certain because it flows from the promises of God. That it is something we can absolutely stake our eternal well-being on. We can stake our life on planet Earth on. That if God has promised this, I want to be smart enough to stake my claim on it. I don't wish for it. I am constantly anticipating because hope carries futureness to it. I'm looking for a, an engaged involvement of God in my future here on the planet. I'm looking for the fulfillment of all his promises into the eternal future. So I'm looking forward to things. There is anticipation, but I know I won't be disappointed if I'm depending on his promise. I won't be disappointed if I'm depending on his promise. Now, I, I do see this frequently during, during my counseling with many people where they also say, well, I, I'm, I'm hoping for this and because God's faithful, it's absolutely going to happen. But they've picked their own hope. They've defined what God is supposed to do that's not a promise in Scripture. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really am. I can't hold God to my made-up promises. I absolutely get to stake my life on His promises. And, and we need the wisdom and the discernment to know the difference. But once I can see He declares something in Scripture and He says it's unbreakably true, the part of our wisdom is, I can count on that. And so now when Jesus says, do not worry, He's not meaning I won't suffer. He actually promised I would suffer. You know that, right? <laughs> In John 16, 33, which again, we talked about it in Sunday school. Every now and then I drop the phrase in Sunday school. 
That means you were supposed to be there if, if you were able to make it. But we talked about that already, that Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. There will be suffering that's a normal part of this life. And he's saying that to believers, to his own disciples. So part of our wisdom is as we share prayer requests and we hear about sorrow and tragedy, even in the life of believers, how many thousands of, of Nigerians did you say, Fran? How many thousands? 6,000. That's, that's a huge number, not just of lives, but now for every life. Imagine all the families and the friends and the communities impacted by those horrible deaths. And part of what God is still saying, without callousness and without stupidity, God is still saying to those Nigerian families and communities, sweethearts, don't worry about anything. I told you this was coming. And I'm here with you. And what I accomplish through your suffering and death will matter for the rest of eternity. And he means it. And we need to learn that vision. And whether we are believers being crucified for our faith, or we're believers just dealing with bad news from a doctor, or whether we're believers figuring out that somehow what came in this month isn't anywhere near as how much we got to send out. Whatever we're facing that God is still saying, please don't worry. I promise you I'm ready for this. And to bring something valuable out of it. Your faith will matter, your love will grow, and your hope is unbreakable when it's anchored in my promises. And he goes on to say this. Out of that, that hope and love and faith, which has come to you just as in all the world, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. And there's a lot there. But part of it is he talks about fruit. Well, back to the color. He talks about fruit. And he talks about the fact that that fruit keeps increasing. So once again, you guys should really know this word is coming. He's talking about growth. Here's what I see in you. I see growth. Your life has an impact in other people's lives. And one of the things I like discovering, and I, and I really do, this, this happens frequently enough, and I, I like it when this happens, is that I'll, I'll see somebody here you know, on Sunday fellowship, and we'll interact, and we'll say hello, and we'll give each other goodbye hugs or whatever, or hello hugs. And, and we might even share a little bit about what's been going on during the week. And then from somebody completely different, I'll find out, oh, I need to tell you how that person helped me this week. I need to tell you how that person met me for prayer this week. I need to tell you how that person called me up and got me through a tough moment. So again, your, your wisdom in this, you, this fellowship, that you get to say, Father, I want to be really available for fruitfulness in this fellowship. I want to bear fruit. I want to be encouragement. I want to be support. I want to be love. I want to be help. And I don't need a title. I don't need a job. I just need your Holy Spirit dwelling within me that equips me to be that fruitful presence in the body of Christ. And again, he says, and here's what amazes me. Not only do I see that fruitfulness, I keep seeing that fruitfulness grow. 
it keeps increasing. So that gets to be our vision for ourselves and our vision for each other and our prayer for each other. So as we're praying for each other, you know, and Sid, Sid made a, a, a really uh, true comment in Sunday school this morning. Um, but he was talking about the fact that we don't have to bring, we don't have to come in prayer to God with a formula. You know, did I say it right? Did I put the words in the right order? Did I quote the right verse at God when I prayed that thing? We don't have to worry about a formula. We're talking to a heavenly father, a father of compassion and understanding who knows our hearts. But what we're studying here, the reason we're studying prayer is so that the wisdom of our prayer, the base of our prayer expands to include more of what God is hoping we will be praying for. And that we get to pray for each other's growth. So while I'm praying that you get that job, I can also pray, and Father, while, while Susie's praying for that job, and I'm going to pray with her for that job, I pray that the delay between now and that job would be an opportunity to grow in trusting you. And Father, I can pray for Bob's healing, but whether or not you do that healing, I really want to pray that what will come out of this is that Bob will treasure you more than anything else in his life. And I want to pray that your faithfulness to Bob, with or without that healing, will become his inner treasure, your faithfulness. So that we get to keep recognizing this is a faithful, present, active God. And I can pray for you to grow in that relationship. Now, it goes on here. And I, I boy, do I want to do a lot more stuff. Well, actually, I'm going to stop and add one thing that I wasn't going to make in the sermon, but, man, I notice it now, and we got to say it. Um, he also says there at the end of verse 6, he says, since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. You understood the grace of God in truth. And he's saying that concept, that mindset, that understanding is behind all of this growing. So part of what we understand about the Christian faith is everything about the Christian faith is gifts. Our salvation is a gift. Our power to overcome sin is a gift. Our ability to bless one another is all about God giving us gifts. Our ability to face a moment of need and be confident that God will either carry us through the deprivation or he will provide what we need. But either way, that that provision and that grace is a gift. So that you and I grow this mindset that I want to understand the truthfulness of this grace in this relationship. And it changes the way I think. As we had someone come forward and share earlier, right before our prayer time, for, for forgiveness and, and for the work of God to help him understand what it means to be in Christ and to live in Christ and depend on Christ. We get to pray for that recognizing, Father, help him understand the grace of God in truth. And while I'm praying for him to understand that, Father, help me to understand it even more. So that we recognize not a single one of us are going to stand in front of God. I know I say this facetiously, 
But I think sometimes we slide into this. None of us will stand in front of God where he'll say, you know what, Jesus died for you, but boy, were you close to earning it on your own. You, you were just that far underneath the cutoff point. You could have made it a little more. None of us. He will say, there is none righteous, no, not one. You were all devastatingly, pathetically lost. You were all devastatingly, horrendously sinful. And I, I, I remember talking about this, that when I prayed to receive Jesus at age six, and Aaron prayed to receive Jesus at age four, and, and we both gave up our horrible life of sin, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean my life looked horrible to me or my life looked horrible to someone else. But where God's saying, if you comprehend the holiness of God, you will come to understand this. Your entire life was lived in the enemy's kingdom until you became my son or my daughter. It's not how bad you look compared to someone else. It's that everything about your life was spiritually dead. It was spiritually dead. You were horribly lost. But I rescued you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip down because I want to say this part in verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And we all get to, as we're praying for ourselves, we're praying for someone else, that we get to grow in that awareness. Father, we're all rescued. We are all in need of rescue, and you offer us rescue, and the offer is open-hearted and generous. Where God says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That he desires that all men would be saved. And so we recognize, I'm here because God was not willing that I should perish. And he worked in a multitude of ways through a multitude of people to help me become aware of the grace of God. And then all I did that pleases him, all I did that pleases him, and I, I said, I believe you. And God says in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. So all you have to do, this is literally all you have to do. When God tells you, my son died for your sins, for you personally, that you would say, I believe you, and I'll take it. And God says, you're in. Now keep growing in the knowledge of that grace and the truth of that grace because I'm here to rescue you, but the rescue doesn't end with our salvation. And you guys know this. The rescue does not end with our salvation. He wants to keep rescuing us from lies. He wants to keep rescuing us from self-reliance. He wants to keep rescuing us from thinking like orphans in the universe. He wants to rescue us from the life that is only possible out of our flesh and transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son where now his life and his power accomplish different things. And so he's ready to rescue us out of this incredible offer of grace. We only have an hour and 15 minutes left to the sermon. 
I'm glad you can laugh. Um, so we are actually not, my goal was to actually finish each prayer in one sermon. Not going to happen today. Uh, there are just too many layers of, of majestic truth to this that we're going to have to finish this one next week. But I want to I add this in verse 9. Out of all these things Paul has already shared, he says, For, because of all these things I've already shared, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we'll just close with, with this thought. One of the things that Paul is saying that he was praying for the believers at Colossae and that you and I get to pray for each other is that you and I would grow in understanding God's will. And, and the fact that he adds this word wisdom, and, and I think most of you know this, in Scripture, wisdom means it's not just knowledge, it's how to carry out that into living. Understanding his will in wisdom and understanding means, now, Father, I see how to go be operating different in my marriage because of your will. I see how to operate different in my friendships because of your will. I see how to operate different by what comes out of my mouth, where I spend my time, what I give priorities to, where my passions are, what fills my days and my hours. Father, I'm seeing how to apply an understanding of your will into the wisdom of how I live different because of this understanding. It's not just doctrine. So if I could sit down and write out my doctrine, how many people here know uh, all the doctrines that our church is committed to? Oh. Okay. That's okay. We have them printed. <laughs> Good thing. Excuse me. I thought I was going to cough, but it didn't happen. So it is not necessary that you memorize those doctrines. It is necessary that you understand why there are churches' doctrines. So I would encourage you, if you're not sure, pick up one of the copies. Make Jody make more copies. She loves making more copies. Totally. That's right. So that, so that you and I would understand, Father, I need to understand the basis of truth that we are committed to as a body of believers. And it better all flow from Scripture. There's nothing on our doctrinal statement that came from headquarters. It all came from the Word of God. We don't have headquarters, by the way. But it's also true that I could know that doctrine, I could memorize it, I could even be able to teach it, I could do seminars on our doctrines, and I could still have all that knowledge with no wisdom and understanding. And there are, I'm not maligning seminaries, there are seminaries cranking out hundreds and hundreds of people who have the knowledge without the wisdom. And what Paul is praying for the, the believers at Colossae, and what you and I really get to pray for one another thoughtfully, prayerfully, is, Father, help Bob, help Susie really comprehend how your will works into the doing of their day, into the doing of their life and their relationships. Help them understand it, Father, while I pray for me to understand it so that our living becomes more and more consistent with our believing. And again, that it would be growth. Let's pray together.
Father, I do thank you that you really are prepared for this life. You see exactly what we're facing. You've, you've promised that you've seen all the days of our life before we've lived them. And Father, you're looking at all of those in every one of our lives and even our circle of, of care, people we know and love, believers and non-believers. You see all of that. And you're still saying, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Because you also see your preparation, your care, your provision, your power. Father, you see the, the depth of your compassion and tenderness toward us while we deal with these things. You're exactly the God. You're exactly the Father. You're exactly the rescue that each one of us need. And Father, sadly, very frequently, we can face moments in life where we don't recognize our need. Where we hold you at arm's length. We want one more explanation. We want one more depth of intellectual understanding. We want one more something before we decide to surrender and trust you. And I pray that your spirit would, would help us each be wise enough to trust you while we keep getting those questions answered. To recognize our need and allow you to rescue us while we keep figuring out all the details. You're just trustworthy, Father. You slaughtered your son because I was worth saving. And Father, the recognition is that your son was crucified and crushed because you were willing to find payment for my sin. And Jesus, you were willing to be that payment because Father, Son, and Spirit in agreement, you decided that each one of us was worth it. And now that we're in the family, your heart is longing for the fact that we would pray for one another out of the things that matter to you. That we would intercede and do spiritual battle on each other's behalf in the areas that most matter to your heart. Father, help us to grow in understanding these things and actually applying these truths to our prayer. That we grow in your heart while we come into your presence for prayer. Father, thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.